Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to study the Word of God with you. Thank each one of you for taking the time to listen to us. Thank God for His grace that allows us this opportunity to be able to look into the Word of God. We hope and pray that through the Spirit and the Word of God, we can help you be a strength to you, and that you could see and learn more maybe than you knew before. You know how valuable that the knowledge of the truth is, especially in the day and era that we're living in. So we left off last time. We were in 1 Kings chapter 21, and we saw Ahab, and we saw Jezebel, and her wicked plot, and the carrying out of that wicked plot, to kill Naboth and to kill his sons, that they might take that piece of property that Ahab wanted and lusted after. We saw that that plan was carried out, and, you know, you, you think about what a great injustice that that was, and no doubt man thinks in his mind, as Jezebel thought, well, God's not taking any notice. God's not going to do anything about this. And that's the way it appeared. Here was Naboth, a, a good man by all appearances and by everything we can see in the Word of God. And he's going to be lied about by wicked witnesses. He's going to be judged by wicked judges. They're going to give him a false execution. They're going to take his life all based on a lie. And it's going to look like it's the right thing. Now, great injustice and evil that was that was done here, and that that's any way that you say that, it's an understatement to the evil, the underhandedness, the deceitfulness, the absolute love of self to the detriment of everybody else. All of these things and all of the wickedness that you could think of is visible right here, down to the killing of a man and his sons by the word of God. And so they had carried out this plot. And you know, today man thinks, well, God's going to allow this to slide, but God's not going to allow Jezebel and Ahab to slide. And God's not allowed anyone to slide in judgment. Uh, last time we left off, in the end, judgment will come. And so we're going to see the word of God come to answer Ahab here. As word gets back that to Jezebel, that we've carried out your plot. Naboth is dead. The vineyard is yours. She comes and tells Ahab, Ahab, Naboth's dead. Go down and take your vineyard. I have obtained that that you wanted. And you know, I, I don't know if Ahab asked any questions. We don't have that written down here specifically that Ahab said, well, what happened to Naboth? And really, Ahab didn't care what happened to Naboth. He was pleased to hear that the land was his. And in doing so, he became uh, one that laid hands on, that agreed with, that lined up with the thief. Jezebel had carried out this wicked plan. She had came up with it. She had devised this plan and had it executed. And Ahab just went along with it, tickled to death to have that that he lusted after and desired, no matter how it was obtained. Ahab's love was for himself for himself only. And in doing so, judgment's going to fall on all of them. So we got down to about verse 17. Uh, Ahab had got up himself to go and take possession. And in verse 17, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. So here, God says to 
the man of God, I want you to go down to where Ahab's at. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he's gone down to possess it. And I don't know if, if Ahab was actively there when God spoke, or if God came to Elijah, God foreknowing all things that's going to occur, and knowing where Ahab's going to be. You know, if Elijah's an hour away, an hour's journey away, he's got some traveling to do. But I believe this, God's going to have Elijah meet Ahab down there, and there's not going to be any real time of enjoyment that he's going to get out of this vineyard before the message of the word of God is going to be delivered to him. And so go down. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he's gone down to possess it. I, I don't believe Elijah knew what knowledge went on of his own self. I don't believe he was aware of the wicked plot. He wasn't aware of the murder at the time. But the word of God is going to enlighten him to everything that's went on that he might go down and correct it. So in 2 Kings chapter 9 on over, and this is looking back now towards this event, 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 26, Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, saith the Lord, and I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. So Ahab didn't wait a week. He didn't wait a month, but the very next day after the murder of Naboth and his sons, he went down to take this as if it wasn't obvious, the plan and the wickedness. But God's going to have his word down there. Go down to meet. Now that word means an encountering. Elijah, I want you to go down and look on Ahab's face in Persian. He's gone down to possess. Now that word possess, it means to occupy by driving out the previous tenants. So really in this word, God's telling Elijah, he's got rid of Naboth and he's took possession of it. This was the plan and they've carried it out. I want you to go down and meet him. And in Job chapter number 20, verse number 14, and we'll read a few verses here in Job. Job chapter 20, verse 14, the Bible says, Yet his meat in his bowels is turned it is the gall of asps within him. He hath swallowed down riches. He shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall he restore and shall not swallow it down. According to his substance shall the restitution be he shall not rejoice therein. Because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not, surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. So, here in Job, what's being said is, yea, there's injustice, yea, there's wickedness, 
But as these wicked men, as they eat this in, God's going to turn it in their stomach and they're going to vomit it back up. There's not going to be any enjoyment of it. That pleasure that they're eating in is going to be turned into poison in their belly. And that's exactly what God's going to do to Ahab. Now, Ahab has taken possession. That field does belong to Ahab now. But the word of God's going to come and there's not going to be any enjoyment of it. The judgment of God is going to fall and, and he's going to be accountable for that that he's done under Nabal. So here's the message now. He said, Go down and meet Ahab and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where dogs licked the blood of Nabal, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. So the judgment of God is, look, I'm aware of everything that you've done. I'm aware of your actions. And I'm going to requite upon your head the same judgment that you placed upon Nabal. You had Nabal slain, and the dogs licked his blood up out there outside of the city walls. And remember now, they didn't stone him in his vineyard. They drug him out outside the city and stoned him. There his blood leaked on the ground. And there the dogs came and licked that blood up. God says, Ahab, your blood's going to be licked up. Just like Nabal's was licked up. In the very same place, and all of this is going to be fulfilled, God's going to bring all of this to pass, maybe in different than what you would envision it in your mind, but God is going to requite upon Ahab the same judgment. And in Psalm chapter 7, Psalm 7 and verse number 15, He made a pit, and digged it, and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own plate. So God is going to take Ahab, and the very pit that Ahab dug to slay Naboth, Ahab's going to also fall into the pit. The pit that he made is going to be that that destroys him. So Maybe that's not easy to see in the way that it's being said here. But God is going to requite, he's going to repay the wickedness of Ahab upon his own head. And that desire to take this land, the plot that got him the land, the murder that caused it to come to his possession, that is going to be what's going to bring him to destruction and to death. Yea, he brought Naboth to death through this plot and through his actions. Yea, bringing Naboth to death gave him that lamb that he desired. But it's that very plan that he executed upon Naboth that he's going to fall into and he's going to be destroyed for. In Matthew chapter number 7, he, he warns us here to beware. Matthew 7 and verse 2, for what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So he's saying take care 
and how you judge and what you do. If you want to be a harsh judge of man, if you want to bring things down hard upon other men, then know that God is going to hold you to the same standard. God is going to requite you. What judgment you meet, it's going to be measured back to you. And we see that in uh, Haman, that wicked man that made the gallows in his house to hang Mordecai from. God hanged Haman from those gallows. We see that Judas. Judas sold Jesus for profit and for gain, and he gave up that money and hung himself, and his bowels gushed out. David took Uriah the Hittite's wife and the parable came to David and said, look, there was a man that only had one little ewe lamb and a rich man that had a bunch came and took that little ewe lamb from him and David said he's going to pay fourfold. Well, David's judgment that he cast upon another man in the parable, he was judging his own self and bringing himself down. And so here... As they cast this judgment and execution upon Nabal, in reality, they were also passing judgment and executing their own self with their wickedness and with their sin. Sin will find a man out. God will hold a man accountable for what he does. So Elijah now has got direction and instruction from God. And remember, he's not going down to the, the man that he works with. He's not going down to uh, the people down in, in, in town. He's going down to the very king and Ahab. Of course, very familiar with Elijah. And Elijah, very familiar with Ahab. Ahab knew who this man was. He knew that God was with him. He had seen the fire come down from heaven. He had seen the heaven shut up. And he had seen the rain fall when this man prayed. He had seen the power of God resting on Elijah. But the problem is Ahab would never repent. He would never move himself to the word of God, but would instead harden himself. And so when he sees Elijah, Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. So that when Ahab sees Elijah coming, he dreads seeing the man. He counts Elijah as his enemy. But is Elijah really his enemy? Is Elijah really hateful towards him? I believe we see the answer to that. In this verse right here, Elijah's not his enemy. And really, the word of God is not his enemy. The word of God's there as a warning. It's there to keep judgment, to keep justice, to uphold the truth of God. And so Elijah's coming with the word of God, but because Ahab's always in rebellion, the word of God is always contrary to him. So you think about Cain then. Back in the garden, there he was. He brought the fruit of the ground to offer to God, and God rejected his offering. And God said to him, Cain, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Cain, if you'd do what I said, I would accept you and your offering as well. Would God not have accepted Ahab if Ahab had repented? Certainly he would have. And we're going to see that at the end of this chapter, quite amazingly so, the mercy, the long-suffering, and the goodness of God. 
even towards the most wicked of all kings. And so Elijah said, I have found you, but it's not because I hate you. Ahab, I've not come down here because I've got a grudge against you. I've not come down here out of dislike for you. I've not come down because I hate you and I count you my enemy, but I've found you for this reason. You've sold yourself to commit wickedness and sin. You've sold, and that word's to sell. It means to sell as merchandise. So if you're a merchant and you have merchandise that you're selling, you are selling that in order to profit from that. That's the way that you make your living as a merchant. You sell your goods to others. Well, Ahab sold himself now to do wickedness. So uh, his desire, <coughs> his pleasure, what pleased his flesh, he sold himself to evil that he might have that that pleased his flesh. He gave his body, he gave his strength, and he gave his time over unto sin and to evil and to rebellion that he might have that that his heart and that his mind desired. And Ahab, this is why that I found you. I found you not because I hate you, not because you're my enemy that I consider you that, not because uh, uh, that I'm your enemy and that I hate you, but I've found you because you continually rebel against God's word and God's bringing judgment against you because of that sin. So the man of God, whether it's the messenger, the man that's behind the pulpit, the Holy Ghost of God that would deliver that to individual hearts, the Word of God itself, as we read it off the pages of the book, that's not our enemy. That Word of God, that Holy Ghost of God, that man of God that's called and equipped to preach the gospel, they are there to present the truth to us that we might repent and have life. God gave His Son that man could be saved and have life. So that's not our enemy. The real enemy is the sin and the rebellion, the hardness of heart that's within our life. Pile of people hate the man of God. They hate the church. They hate the word of God. They hate preaching. And they hate all of these things because they are in rebellion to it. The word of God finds them to be guilty. And they consider the word of God, the man of God, the church, to be their enemy. And nothing could be farther from the truth. And Elijah says so. I'm not your enemy. Your sin and your rebellion, your actions, your disbelief, your hardness of heart and stiffness of neck, your unwillingness to believe the word of God, and your desire to sell yourself to sin, that's what's your enemy. That's what's going to destroy you. Oh, my enemy... Hast thou found me? So in Isaiah chapter 50, we've got it in a parable and an interesting one, I, I would say. Isaiah 50, verse number one, Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities, have sold, you sold your sales, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. So God says, did I do this? Have I cast you away? 
Did I divorce your mother? Was this my doing? And Elijah says, Ahab, have I caused you to sin? Did I put you away or have you sold yourself? You have freely given yourself away. And you know, that viewpoint's going to change when judgment comes. Judgment's coming down to Ahab's house right here through the word of God and Elijah. And Ahab says, you're my enemy. You're against me. You're out to get me, Elijah. Well, that's what man thinks of the word of God today. But in reality, what's happened is Ahab is the enemy of God. God's not put away Ahab. God's not put away man either. Man's put God away. Man's sold himself. Man has given himself over to iniquity and to sin for the gain of this world and for the gain of the flesh. So now verse 21, Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. So this prophecy here, he says, I'm going to cut you off. And him that pisseth against the wall, you could, you could look at that and say the, the pauper out in the street. But I, I believe what he's saying here is the males. And when you're looking at the kingdom, when you're looking at the lineage of the king, what matters was the sons that they had. It was the sons that was going to inherit the throne from their father when he died. Well, God says this, Ahab, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to cut every male in your house off and you're going to lose the kingdom and you're not going to have a son that's going to fulfill your role. I'm going to cut your entire family off from being king in Israel. Now, is that not exactly what Ahab did to Naboth? Naboth had a vineyard that Ahab wanted, and Ahab cut Naboth and all of his sons off. He killed them, that there would be nobody left to inherit what Naboth had. God says, I'm going to cut you off and all of your sons off, and <coughs> you're going to cease to be the king over Israel. So listen to these words now and what they mean. This is verse 21. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity. That word means to kindle or to consume by fire. <clears throat> so God's saying, I'm going to bring you to naught and I'm going to consume your entire family, you and those that are after you, you and your seed. You cut off Naboth, you cut off Naboth's seed, that there would be no inheritance. Well, I'm cutting you off from being the king, and I'm cutting your children off that they won't inherit it either. There's not going to be one left in Ahab's house that's going to be able to take the throne of the kingdom. And he also says he's going to cut off and that word means to cut asunder or to cut down, to destroy or consume him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel. 
shut up to enclose, to hold back, and left those that are loosened or relinquished. So what's he saying there? I'm cutting off you and your kingdom, but it's not just going to be that. Those that try to run into the city and hide, I'm going to find them, and they're going to be cut down. And I'm going to be cut down all of those that would remain. There's not going to be one escape my judgment. And he says this in 22, I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. In 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse number 10, now Jeroboam is a wicked king. And in verse number 10, Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung till it all be gone. So by the timeline in my Bible, this was between 50 and 60 years before Ahab, and then there was Basha as well listed here in verse 22. God says, I'm going to do you like I done Jeroboam and like I done Basha, the son of Ahijah. Now they were wicked kings. They had done wickedly, and God had already cut them off, and I believe there was great knowledge of that. I mean, we're talking events that's less than 60 years ago. Certainly, they knew what happened to the king 60 years ago. They knew the judgment that God had brought. They knew that God had cut off these men's houses. The the prophecy is exactly the same. The words of God are identical in the prophecy to Jeroboam as they are to Ahab, So you know what Ahab had? He had this that God had already done to look back on. He says, well, I can look back and see Jeroboam and see that God has already cut him off. God said he was going to do that, and God's already done it. I can look back at Basha, the king, and I can see that God said he was going to cut him off, and God's already done it. He had examples showing him God's power and God's ability to bring destruction and judgment. And certainly, that was even greater assurance to Ahab that God's able to perform what he's saying. And you know what we've got? We've got a book here that's 2,500, 3,000 years, 4,000 years worth of history of the things that God has said he was going to do and how that God done it. We've got evidence that those that will not repent will be cut off no matter who they are. If it's Saul the king, God's going to cut him off. If it's Korah and all the men of renown in Israel in Moses' day, God's going to cut them off. If it's just Achan, just a regular man in all of Israel that's going to disobey, God's going to cut him and his family off. If it's all of Israel that's going to rebel, God's going to carry them to Syria. If it's Judah that's going to rebel, he's going to take them down to Babylon. If it's the entire world that's going to go against God, then God's going to bring a flood and cut every one of them off. We've got evidence of the judgment, the anger, the wrath of God being carried out 
We've got evidence of people being cut down for their sin and for their iniquity over and over and over again. We can look back and see the very judgment of God against these. And you know, Ahab, we can see Ahab as an example of those that will not repent. We can see that God's going to cut them down and bring judgment. You know what that ought to be? That ought to be a warning to you and I that God said he's going to do this and certainly, surely he's able to do that. Now, if there had been anybody that could have said, well, God can't get to me, certainly it would have been the king of the nation Israel. Certainly it would be a man that's great and in authority. But wait a minute. God's recently cut down two kings. So if God can cut them down, can he not cut us down as well? And I believe there he's going to give him the same um, prophecy about what God's going to do. And he says, I'm going to do it just like I did to Jeroboam and to Basha. And he, he says in Corinthians of all that the children of Israel that came up out of Egypt, all that they went through, all that they endured, how that they murmured, how that they complained, how that they rebelled, and God judged them. And the Bible says that was written for us as an example. You know what happened to uh, Basha and Jeroboam? That should have been an example to Ahab of what he should do and what he shouldn't do. Uh, what God done for Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel's day in saving him and making him a new man, that should have been a warning to Belshazzar. And yet man continually ignores all that God's done in the past and in his pride thinks that he's able in some way to get away with what other people could not get away with. But there is no getting away with God no matter who we are. God will bring judgment upon all. So Ahab had this example. But it's not just Ahab that's going to be judged here. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezebel. So God says, not just going to lick the blood of Jezebel, the dogs are going to eat her. And a dog in this day now, not like dogs in our day, and the way we think of them. Dogs in this day were unclean. They were beasts that man did not like. And what a dishonor it was for the dogs to lick the blood. There was nobody to care, nobody that loved, nobody that desired them. They were going to be cut off and there'd be nobody to even bury their bodies. But Jezebel's going to be ate by the dogs. And what's she going to do about that? When they're dead, they have no power whatsoever. They can no longer speak they can no longer judge. They can no longer take action. They're gone. What preparation we do must be done while we're alive. For the day's coming, the night is coming, when no man will be working. And as the tree falleth, so shall it lie. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat. And him that dieth in the field, shall the fowls of the air eat. Ahab, this judgment is going to be a great judgment, one that you're not going to be able to bear. And boy, the judgment of God is one that man is not able to bear. The Bible says in the New Testament that they'll cry for the rocks 
and the mountains to fall, that they wouldn't have to look upon the face of the judge, Almighty God and the Son, Jesus Christ. What a day of fear and dread and terror. And the heart of man says, that will not happen to me. But God says, look back through the years. Look back in your family at those that were negligent, at those that were rebellious, at those that despised the word of God. Look back and see how God has cut down everyone ever stood on the earth in rebellion against him and know that that day is coming to our house as well. Take warning. And there's going to be nobody, not even naturally, that's going to care for Ahab and his family. And you know, perhaps, perhaps that saddened Ahab more than anything else. That there would be nobody to bury the bodies of his sons, of his wife, of him, that all this wickedness was going to come and all this, uh, his name was going to be drugged through the mire and through the filth, even amongst man. We ought not fear man nor mind man, but take notice of him who's able to destroy both body and soul and hell. So this judgment of God towards Ahab and Jezebel, is it sufficient and what I mean by that is, I realize they've performed great injustice and great wickedness. Is their judgment sufficient to pay for that that they've done? You see, God's got, God's got opportunity that man does not have. A man can kill 15 people and he'll never be able to pay for the blood of the people that he's murdered. He can die one death. He can live one life in prison. Is that sufficient to pay for what they had taken? Absolutely not. But God's able to do more than just destroy the body. God is able to destroy the body and soul. And Ahab and Jezebel, they're going to lift their eyes in the eternal fire of hell, in the lake of fire, and there they'll be for eternity. I, I, I say that the judgment is far sufficient to the, pit, to the sin that they've committed. The penalty will be sufficient. And every ounce will be paid for all through eternity. So maybe that's as far as we'll get today. Thank you for listening to us. Pray for us, and we love you.